Pod. Pod. I'm just trying to figure out life right now. <laughs> it's been a long night. Uh, that's that's the reaction a lot of Celtics fans are throwing out tonight. We're here with some instant reaction. Havlicek stole the pod. I'm Bobby Manning, and that is Danny Emmerman on the other hey, side. Another Syracuse guy. I had to strangle Jeff and force him to pull two Syracuse guys into the Celtics blog website. So you can read him, his draft night thoughts, all that coming up. But we're going to throw ours right on the mic right now. And... Danny, a lot happened. Trades galore tonight. They knew that this was going to be the way that the draft went and ended up being about as active as anybody could have thought. We're recording here during the second round. And I'm just wondering how this used to be more than two rounds right now as we almost hit midnight. That's crazy. I mean, the draft just in general, in my opinion, at this point is kind kind of pointless just because you have Woj and Shams tipping literally every pick, there's no point in watching. But on the other hand, you kind of get pretty cool moments with, with Zion getting picked first and crying with his mom. Pretty emotional. Was, that, was, that was a cool moment to see. There was a lot of tears between him and RJ. I feel like RJ was like, oh, I got to get in on the tears too. <laughs> More tears than usual, definitely. I didn't remember that many tears in, in previous drafts. Yeah, you had the parents too, so they definitely switched up the broadcast the tiniest little bit. But you also still have the guys wearing the wrong hats, which is the biggest crime in the world. Everybody knows where these guys are going back home. And all I'm thinking about is the casual fan who doesn't really know what's going on, seeing these yeah. guys wear the wrong hats, imagining them going to the wrong team. Like You can't even hear what's going on if you're watching this in a bar. That's something they got to fix. There's got to be a better way to do that. There's got to be. The off season as a whole, because <laughs> we all know Davis is going to LA. It's not official until July, whatever. And that just seeps into the draft when you have all these trades going left and right. And it hurts the TV product. And Woj is out here tweeting, focus on? Yeah, focus <laughs> on. <laughs> That's how he's announcing these plays. <laughs> All right, so the Celtics angered people tonight, which is something that's pretty routine with this team. Uh, Yeah, personally, I'm furious. They came in with 14, 20, 22. I can hear the disappointment in your voice, and things mixed up a lot from there. So 14 comes along. Like we said, Zion, Morant, Barrett, those three were obvious. Hawks swung a big trade for DeAndre Hunter. Uh, We can talk about that on a Hawks podcast. (laughs) Darius Garland to Cleveland. Jarrett Culver, Minnesota, jumps up to get him. So, you know, the team's playing a pretty soft price overall. Yeah, I mean, like we said, we knew that even... We knew the top five before the draft even started. Yeah. And Dario Saric goes to Phoenix. Phoenix had an odd draft in their own right tonight that pulled the Celtics into it. All of a sudden, Kobe White, Chicago, Jackson Hayes, New Orleans, Rui to Washington is where you really start looking at a lot of the guys we talked about. Tyler Hero, Mm -hmm. Nikhil Alexander-Walker in my case. A lot of people (laughs) talking about Bull Bull even there. He's still not off the board as we talk right now. And in typical Celtics fashion, they pivot to the right, get a guy people were talking about in this area. 
but not exactly someone that was on a lot of people's radar. Romeo Langford out of Indiana. What do you make of that one, Danny? Yeah, so I'm I'm very disappointed. I, I don't really buy into Romeo Langford as a as a player. He doesn't really fit with the Celtics and what I don't really know what they're trying to do trying to do right now. They might not even know, but it doesn't really make sense to draft a guy who needs the ball, is kind of like a small wing, small small forward when you have Gordon Hayward, you have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and that is presumptively the team that you're going forward with. Um, Langford's a guy who can get to the rim and draw a lot of fouls, but he really can't shoot. Uh, people are saying he, he had a thumb injury all year, and that was kind of messing it up, but his mechanics really aren't aren't that sound. You can see him off balance all the time. He shot oh, yeah. 27% from, from outside, and that's another thing with the Celtics. They've... They've taken guys out of college who can't really shoot. I mean, talking Jalen Brown, talking Marcus Smart, even Rozier. Like, part of their philosophy is that you can teach shooting. And I guess that must be what they're thinking with Langford. But I I don't love it. It fit Ainge's history for sure. And that's the big takeaway tonight is that Ainge is never going to change. No matter what the results of last year were, his past history in the draft. You, you know what to expect with the guys he's going to go after. This guy brings athleticism. He brings back that hustle, toughness, tenacity that the Celtics are probably trying to shift back towards after last year. First yeah. and foremost, you see the free throw numbers, and you get a little excited about that. But so many things he has to work on, which is ex- to be expected in the middle of the first round, I'd imagine. But I, I see what you mean there. Watching the tape, the off-balance shots, lots of mid-rangers. Certainly that three-point percentage isn't going to get anybody excited. 27 in his season at Indiana. Now, this was a guy who was a top-tier recruit coming out of high school. And I think you have to weigh that now when yeah. you guys are coming out. I mean, that's just two years ago. And then you have the one season at Indiana, whether he was injured. That could have played into how that season went there. And then you have to weigh the high school season fairly even with that. So... You can't judge this guy on draft night. We've certainly done that before. We saw it with Terry Roger, and I think that's going to hold me to be a little bit cautious about going all in on them. But there were other guys there. Tyler Hero went off the board a spot before, but a few picks later, Alexander Walker goes. That's a guy I loved. Some of the overseas guy end up going. Brandon Clark fell all the way to 21, so the Celtics certainly could have... I'm still kicking myself over Brandon Clark. I love Brandon Clark as a prospect. Yeah, he. so they could have got him with the second pick that they had later. They passed uh, on him several times. Yeah, they passed on him a few times. So, Lankford, he, they make that pick. You say, all right, the Celtics are sticking to their guns. They're not going to cave on these scoring guys. These offensive-minded players are going to stick with that defense, toughness, hustle, all that kind of stuff. But then this thing really just unwinds as the night goes on. You get some of those overseas guys going to Detroit. San Antonio, of course, gets an over <laughs> overseas guy at 19. Uh, the guy who everybody ignored while Zion was getting interviewed, Goga Batatze, he goes to Indiana. <laughs> that was one of the funnier pictures out of tonight. And then 20, the Celtics come up again, and they flip that pick to Philadelphia. Bill Simmons was pissed because it's a rival. I'm not too concerned about that, uh, especially at 20. But the Celtics just started kicking the pick down the road right here. And 
how were you reacting around that? Um, I mean, with Simmons, I don't really, I don't really understand why they're helping Philadelphia, but I would have liked to see Thibault on the Celtics. Maybe not even with the twentieth pick. Like at this point, I was kicking myself because there's still Clark on the board. There's still Nasir Little, Bull Bull. There's still Kevin Porter Jr., who I, I liked all those guys better than Thibault there. So I really wish that they sw- took a swing at those guys instead of trading down. Tyman Galloway, too, ends up falling really far in this draft. Yes. Tyson I mean, like, they have, they have huge needs for, for point guard and center. And whether you want to draft for need or just best available player – I don't think Thibault is either of those, and I guess that's why he's not on the team. But uh, one more thing about Langford that I'm actually pretty concerned about, uh, even more than the outside shooting, is that is he has kind of a lack of playmaking ability. And from a guy who has the ball all the time in ISO situations, pick-and-roll scenarios, he only averaged two assists per game at one year IU. Did you get he, to watch yeah, a lot of them? And, I did not watch a lot of him, but, I mean, two assists per game. Come on. Yeah, so he certainly has that in him. They, they like having the multiple layers of ball handling, and that's certainly something he's going to bring. They're going to be pushing Roger out the door, it looks like, though, if they're really going all in on this cap space thing, and we'll get into the philosophy of how they handled tonight. That ended up being the focus of this draft, it looked like, was to just clear as much cap space out of there. But... Before we get to Williams and the trades that happen later on, Langford, as the night went, does end up becoming that guy that they're really going to lean on in this draft to become something, though. And I, I do think we have legitimate question into what he can become with all these limitations and all the guys in front of him on the roster. So if we're looking at him as a playmaker, there's a lot of playmakers in front of him on the roster, even if they're pushing Rosero out the door. You got Hayward in front of him. You got Smart in front of him. Presumably they end up grabbing another guard possibly with some of this cap space. I mean, there's so many different ways they could go with the cap space. But Lankford's going to be that guy that they go forward with, that they develop with, no matter what path they take here, it looks like. And I don't know if he'll be up to that that task of taking on a playmaking role because Celtics are going to need that, especially on a second unit potentially. An off-ball movement, something that I heard is a concern with him. Yeah. Yeah. So he's going to have those limited opportunities to make plays on the ball, presumably. We'll see how the roster shakes out. And then he's just got to kind of find his own off of it, and we'll see if he's able to do that. It's it's a tough one. I'm not talking like there was a ton of clear-cut alternatives there, but Alexander Walker was a guy I loved and just had a much (laughs) more polished two-way game never mind the defense the offense is just so much better than Langford's yeah I mean there there's probably a philosophy there's a theory that Langford's ceiling might be higher but I also like Alexander Walker better as a prospect Jared Weiss compared him to Avery Bradley which I thought was interesting a guy that coming out of high school much more highly rated than the year he spent at college injuries plague him you have the difficulty with the shot but Bradley was a even if he does reach that Bradley plateau and Bradley became a phenomenal player, that took years and years. I'd say about three, four years before he could became the shooter he needed to be. And that happened from the mid-range before it happened from three-point. I had a question for you. So I'm in a group chat with a bunch of fans from Philadelphia, Los Angeles, 
uh, New York, whatever, they love bringing up the fact that Danny Ainge has never drafted an all-star. Uh, do we think he drafted an all-star tonight? I wouldn't say so. That's a, that's a lofty hill to reach. And it, it the developmental curve that he's going to hit, does that even keep him in Boston in that time frame? You know, to some degree, it feels like they're just heading back to that asset game. And that's going to drive fans crazy. You know, they, they trade back from 20, as we talked about, to Philadelphia. They moved to 23, 22. Well, they had 22, and then they moved to 24. And then they kicked back to 24. So all of a sudden, you're piling up these future assets, and they really didn't get a whole lot. What they got at tonight was the cap space. You yeah, kick back 24, so that saves you $2 million. You'd move Aaron Baines to Phoenix, which is the biggest news of the night. Yeah. And that saves you about $8 million right there. So the Celtics cigar vote about $24 million in cap space can get up to 34 with Roger and dumping all the cap space right there, the cap holds that they have. And that, that seemed, for some reason or another, to be their goal out of this one. So Maybe they have someone in mind. Who knows? Is it Russell? Is it Brogdon? Is it one of those types of guys? Because they're certainly not getting a Kawhi, a Durant, that type. I agree. Uh, I hope it's. Uh, I hope it's not Russell. I don't think matching out a player like Russell is the way to go. And even Bro- I love Brogdon. I gotta say, I'd be a little bit excited to see him come here. But that he doesn't move the needle too much for the amount of money you're committing to him. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the on the size of the contract, but I tend to agree with you. I, I do like Brogdon though. I mean, back to my back to my All Star thing. I'm not saying we should expect Danny Ainge to draft an All Star at 14 or 22, but he just has a checkered history with these draft picks, so it's a little concerning when he's taking these risks. Now that's the thing too, where they're drafting, and this is where he's drafted a lot. And I think you have a legitimate reason to hold off criticism with a little bit. Is this mid round? You know, we're we're throwing a lot of names around, probably about five six names. Six of those guys don't end up being anything. Like the middle of this round is just such a crapshoot that you're really just throwing darts, as we were with Max Carlin the other day. So right. to some degree, you can't get too upset about a lot of undeveloped guys right here that we're looking at. But this cap space thing is just really hanging over my head right now. So you don't you don't have ambitions for a max cap slot right this summer, and that leaves just one thing to me. Either you're kicking back that cap space the next summer, sign a bunch of one-year guys, which is going to be hard for some fans to swallow, and this one's going to be really hard for Celtics fans and people around the league who criticize this team. They might be starting over that whole asset thing again. Yeah, Leave as much cap space as possible, eat some bad contracts, and pick up as many picks as you can. Yeah, I mean, that's what it looks like. As, as tough as it is, as tough a pill to swallow as it is, hopefully they can retool on the fly a little bit. I mean, they shouldn't waste Brown and Tatum's like pre-prime years. These are important years for their development, and they shouldn't put crap rosters around them. Yeah, and they hit free agency at some point here too, and certainly they have the restricted rights on them, but this roster's heading on a downward spiral some discontent forms there. I mean, players have the power to force their way out if they really want to. So with the cap space, this is purely conjecture. Is it possible, you think, that 
maybe they try to they try to maybe come back to Al Horford, say we're sorry for last week. <laughs> Beg him on their hands and knees. That's what I would do. <laughs> Give him whatever he's going to get on the open market now that they have a little bit more cap space. I would love to have Al back. I was really sad when oh, the news devastated. came. It's devastating. Yeah, and they, they need him for the development of these young guys. They really would benefit from having him along, but it just seems so declaratory. And it seemed like it was the years. He he wants four years. Money might have been an issue, but I look at it and I'm saying, you know, they're clearing all the space. They have a lot of guys that they could have let go, like Maurice Roger. They, they could have made it work with Horford somehow if money was the issue. Mm-hmm. And I, I look at what he's doing. I, I would have expected him to be making a move to a place like Los Angeles, take a shot at a championship, go to a place without a whole lot of cap room, Milwaukee. I hear Philadelphia out there. That would make a lot of sense in that regard to take a run at the finals, take less money. I was just stunned to hear that money was the issue there. And we'll see if it ultimately was. So we just got breaking news from Shams. The Miami Heat have selected Bull Bull. With the 45th pick. Can we talk about what happened there? He fell far. And you know what it was? It was the combine, right? He gained weight with that foot injury. And the measurements weren't great from that perspective, the shape he was in. And I think teams just got terrified, especially a big man with a foot injury like that. We've He's seen got with, a ton of red flags. Yeah. You, you, you talk big man, lots of weight there. Gained weight on top of it with a foot. That that brings you back to foot injuries, bad news. Greg uh, Oden, Yao Ming, Greg Oden, uh, the former Celtics guy there ended his career. I can't think of his name. He's broadcasting now. I mean, on top of all that, there was maturity questions and whether or not he actually loves basketball. Apparently, there was a report that he he kind of stormed out of the draft after he didn't go in the first round. Well, you remember the Syracuse game, one of the few games he played in with Oregon. He dominated and he was overwhelming in the college setting, given his size and tools and all of that. I I don't think that stuff carries to the NBA, especially given the position he plays, the role he's filling in that league. Everything changes, and there's a lot of guys spacing the league with size, spacing the floor with size, doing the type of things that people went crazy about him with. Now he's on another level with the height and all of that. But at the same time, a lot of the stuff he was dominating in college with was batting balls around the rim, getting his own rebounds, stuff like that. Like He was just overwhelming guys that physically couldn't compete with him. Yeah, I mean, he has crazy potential. He's 7'3". He's shot like 45% from three. Protect the rim. Dunk on people. Block shots. Who, who got him? Miami? Miami. All right. <laughs> I'll give it to Miami. They need something like that with the cap that they're in. <laughs> so interesting night the second round rolls on grant williams comes to the celtics and uh, yes. what would you think about that one the second pick that they got out of that first round i'm uh i'm not super high on grant williams uh again brandon clark went the pick right before him the pick after they traded out of him i uh, i really wish they took clark but williams is a guy who he has kind of a a high floor, low ceiling, if you catch my drift. Yeah. Um, it seems like what I'm kind of concerned about is if he can defend at the next level. He was very, he was a very good defender in college, but that's when guys aren't 
guys aren't as big inside and they're not as quick outside. It so he's gonna, have to, he's gonna have to really move his feet outside on switches, and he's only six eight, so he's gonna have to figure out how to how to play bigger guys, bigger, stronger guys in the NBA who can overpower him on it, defense. It would be easy to compare him and Clark head to head too when they had the opportunity to draft him right next mm-hmm. to him. That's a guy who's going to Memphis now with Morant, Jaron Jackson. Love that guy certainly and. It looks like Williams is going to be playing a position in Boston that Clark could have filled as well. So it's going to be a very easy comparison to make there. Definitely interested in why Clark fell as far as he did, though. Right. And Williams Williams is a much more refined offensive player than Clark. Clark is really only a dunker, kind of flip shots, some some short to mid-range post-up, face-up game. Williams has a very, very refined offensive package. He's He can... He can roll, he can short roll, can hit mid-range jumpers. I'd like to see him add a three-point shot, at least from the corner. Um, but he's a nice face-up game. I think I know what they're doing. Just gut reactions from this, have check stole the pod. This looks like a team taking a youth movement. Stab here, stab there, hope one of these guys becomes a star, package all the other assets that they're able to accumulate for the next star that becomes available. They did it since 2013. They tried it. It didn't work last season. It all just fell apart underneath them. And then the final straw was Aaron Baines tonight, who Keith reported they were going to look for a contender. I guess they couldn't find one. He lands in Phoenix, which on top of everything else just didn't look great, (laughs) that they were going to send him out there after the money breaks that he took to stay in Boston twice. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it on the head there. It looks it looks like they're gonna let him go though, which is good. But uh, they get a pick I mean, out of that, and yeah. Carson Edwards comes around. So that that's basically our wrap on tonight. Anything else on your mind weighing heavily besides disappointment? <laughs> I mean, I can just hear it in your voice, Danny. This wasn't <laughs> the draft you were hoping for. I mean, on the Baines news is heartbreaking, and I don't want to I don't want to sound hyperbolic here, but. It's just a bad look for the franchise. It's not the first time Danny Ainge has done this. This is his reputation now of backstabbing players who have committed to Boston and taken less and have really loved the city and become ingrained in the community, and he just does not treat them with respect. And yes, it's a business, but he doesn't have to send Baines to Phoenix. He could have sent him anywhere for a similar deal. That's the uh, other side of that card. It really is. He's stick to his guns, despite what anybody says about the type of players he's bringing in here. And then, on the other hand of that, he's just still going to shake around this roster however he needs to get it done. He wants to clear cap space. All right, Baines, you're going to Phoenix. Two great years in Boston. Doesn't matter. And that that is something to think about, Danny. They've been ripped about this, going back to that Isaiah trade. And now as they lose Horford... Jay Crowder, too. They start accumulating cap space, which at some point they're probably going to want to use as a free agent. Why would anyone trust Danny Ainge right now? That's the question. So that's something they have to consider going forward. Is Ainge going to be able to rebuild that culture, that trust, the environment that players want to be in to come here, even to keep their own guys like Tatum and Brown? That That's another question I had tonight. So this is a team certainly in a very vital period right now, deciding what direction they're going to go in. 
And I think we got a good glimpse into that tonight. We'll see where they go from here. But Danny, good to get some gut reactions in with you. Your voice Thanks, said it all. <laughs> Thanks a lot.